Hey, podcast listener. Are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Welcome to Epic Business Growth for CPAs. My name is Geraldine Carter, founder of She Thinks Big Coaching. This is the place to be if you're a CPA who wants to grow your accounting practice. Weekly episodes are full of strategies and action steps that create a clear path for growth without working harder. Time to get inspired and grow your business. Hey everyone, today I'm returning to the topic of sending mixed signals to money, resenting money, and learning to love money. If you haven't yet listened to episode 34, Am I sending mixed signals to money? You might want to go back and listen to that one first, just to set the stage for what we're talking about. If you did listen to it, I'll do a quick revisit here to refresh your memory. And the basic idea here is that in our lives and in our businesses, a lot of us send mixed signals to money. We say we want more money. We want to make more money. And then we also find ways of communicating the exact opposite that we don't want to make more money because it makes us look bad. It makes us look like we're all about money or heaven forbid, it makes us look greedy. So we have these competing signals that we send to money. So naturally money is like, uh, I'm confused. Which one is it? Do you want more or do you not want more? And as a consequence, being conservative, it tends to not send you money, right? If you pulled up to a stoplight and the red light was on and the green light was on, what would you do? You'd probably come to a complete stop. You'd look around. You'd be quite confused for a while, like what's going on? And then if you did proceed, you'd probably proceed with caution, right? So that's what money is doing for you if you're sending it mixed signals. It is proceeding with caution. Whereas if the light was green, you would just go with confidence, right? If you gave money the green light, it would come to you with its own confidence, If you're giving money the red light, it's not coming to you. So if that's not enough of a memory refresh, I told a really great story about Jill, who was asking the universe to send her a great guy who's 6'1 and eyes twinkle when he smiles and makes his own kombucha, goes out on a date with him and starts talking to the guy at the table next door. It's a hilarious story. (laughs) I was re-listening to it today and I was totally laughing out loud. So it's worth a re-listen in my humble opinion because that story is so funny. So anyways, episode 34, go back and check it out. And where we're going to pick up today is this idea of resenting money and the idea of loving money. Now, I know what a lot of you are thinking. Actually, I don't because I don't read minds. I only pretend to. But a lot of you might be thinking, oh my God, did she just say love money? Doesn't she know that that's blasphemy? That is like sacrilege. You don't say that you love money. That is the root of all evil. Loving money is the root of all evil. 
And yes, I did say that. And yes, I actually feel quite uncomfortable saying that publicly. But the more that I say it, the more I'm like, you know what? We need to be loving money. We need to have our hearts open to money so that money can open up and come to us. Because the more that we lock it out, the more that we eschew it, the more that we tell it that we don't like it, the more that we give it the middle finger, the less it's going to come. And we're not acting in our own best interest. We're acting against our own best interest. So one of the benefits of not being a student of the Bible is that I'm sort of like, I kind of take it either way. I just take it as it is. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting that it says that. I wonder if I agree. And what I'm going to say about the love of money is the root of all evil is what if it was the desire or the lust for money that was the root of all evil? What if it's using money to fill the parts of your soul that you have not yet learned to develop through personal growth and you're using money to fill the holes in your own soul that would be better filled by your own self-reflection and development, right? What if you're desirous of money in order to compensate for the fact that you don't feel great about yourself in other ways. I posit that it's the desire of money to soothe your ego that is the root of evil. But I don't really even want to talk about evil. I want to talk about love, right? That's where I want my focus to be. I don't want to focus on evil. Let's take the focus off of evil and focus on love and what we want to create. But before we can get there, we've got to talk about this topic called resentment. This thing that we do in society, this thing that we do as people, that we don't talk about very much because it's deeply uncomfortable because it tends to come along or is correlated with feelings of shame, of memories of guilt, of really feeling awful about ourselves, about the way that we have, may have mistreated others and justified doing it in the past. But if we don't talk about resentment, then we can't talk about forgiveness. And if we can't go through the process of forgiving for having resented, then we're not going to get to loving. I mean, unless you're really skilled and you've done a ton of work, you might be able to just like flip the switch and get right to love. But for most of us, it takes an active process of forgiving resentments in order to open back up to love. So you might have gathered by now that this is a wooey episode. Tough. <laughs> Deal with it. But we're going to do some woo, right? Because if we don't do some woo, you're not going to make the money that you're capable of making in your business. If we don't do some woo, we're not going to get your relationship with money squared away so that you can open up the flow of money that can and should be directed at you. If we don't do some woo and get into the beliefs and the feelings that you have and your relationship with money, you're not going to fully value what you bring to the table. Offer that to your clients and say, this is what the investment is to work with me. Would you like to move forward? If we don't go into the woo and you don't uncover that somewhere in there, you don't believe that you're worth making money or that you don't somehow deserve it, you are never going to step up to the plate and ask for the investment that your services are worth. So remember the problem here, sending mixed signals to money, right? So just imagine a wave right? Like a sine wave or a wave in the ocean or whatever kind of wave comes to mind when I say the word wave. Imagine one wave that's like, come here, money, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, right? And it goes up and down. And then imagine another wave that's like, money, go away, go away, go away, go away. Those two waves, they cancel each other out, right? So now 
money is over on the other end trying to receive a signal and it's got two waves coming at it that are in opposite phases, the effect of which is that money receives no signal from you. Or if you're sending it a bunch of mixed signals, or if you're sending it a bunch of mixed signals all at once, like money, I hate you, you scare me, I don't get you, why do you make me look bad, you suck, I don't understand how you work. Now, what money is receiving is all this jumble of signals, all of all, all this jumble of signals. And if you can remember back from the day that when we had rabbit ears on our TVs or when we had radio dials that weren't digital and you were between stations, you were between signals, remember what you got? You got static and it sounded like, right? And you're like, I don't see a picture here. I don't hear a radio song right? Let's move on to the next channel. So what's going on here? How did we get to a place where we resent money? If you've listened to other prior episodes that I've done around mindset or any other person talk about money and the experience of it, or any other person talk about money, you've probably heard them say that over time we develop these beliefs around money. And a lot of it comes from our family of origin. And we also get other messages from society. I've said this before on this podcast, and I'll say it again. A lot of us get our beliefs about money from our family of origin, specifically from our parents who say things like money doesn't grow on trees, or there's never enough, or we don't have the money, or that family over there, they have a lot of it and they think highly of themselves, or whatever it might be. And if you got your beliefs around money from your parents, in the same way, they got their beliefs around money from their parents, who got their beliefs around money from their parents. So depending on where your lineage is from, your beliefs around money could predate the civil war or whatever wars in Europe were happening or whatever wars in Asia were happening. Your beliefs about money could date back as far as the 18 or 1700s, right? If you don't actively update it. So there's a good case to be made for why you want to be looking at the stories that you have around money. Money does not suffer fools. It's not going to put up with your mixed messages. It's not going to hang around while you sit and shame it for making you feel bad. It's not going to hang around long if you keep accusing it of being responsible for the reason that you feel guilty when you hang around it, right? That's not money's fault. It's your guilt. It's yours to deal with, but it's not going to suffer fools. It's going to be like, peace out, yo, I'm out of here. You keep, <laughs> you keep telling me how much I suck and I'm wrong. I'm going somewhere else, <laughs> right? So let me come back to resentment, this thing that many of us do in society that doesn't really super duper get talked about a ton because it's really gross and icky. And it requires that we do this thing that's really big of us called forgiving. And a lot of us don't want to forgive because we, we mistakenly believe that in some way that makes what the other person did okay, or condones it, or um, makes it pretend like it never happened, or what have you. But that's not what forgiving is. Forgiving is simply, I love how Lily Tomlin puts it. <laughs> Forgiveness is simply letting go of hope of a better past. Forgiving is simply the refusal to hold on to ill will around something that happened, your ill will directed at a person for your own perceived benefit. This is the trick of resentment is that we perceive to benefit by resenting. There's a really powerful allure in resenting. 
right? We get to believe that we're protecting ourselves from the thing or the person that hurt us. We get to put that object or that person at a distance, right? How many of you give the cold shoulder to somebody who has wronged you in some way? Or how many of you have hot resentments whose fires you're actively stoking? We get to believe that we're right and we get to have this sense of righteousness because the other person did something wrong and therefore they are wrong and I am right. And you get to feel indignant and powerful. As I do this, I'm like adopting my own power pose of my own sort of evil power pose with my elbows out and my chest out. In short, we get to believe that we're better than. And this is such a powerful pill at a time when society and people in society are in so much pain, right? And all you have to do is hop on social media and look at what's going on there. All you have to do is listen and you will hear how much people are hurting, right? It does not take a rocket science or a PhD in psychotherapy to be able to hear how many people are suffering. And that's why resentment is so powerful. It's like an antidote to all the uncomfortable feelings that we don't want to feel. It has the appearance of being a really nice painkiller and opiate. The problem is that it is impossible to love when you're in a state of resentment. Just imagine the last time you were really angry at somebody. How open was your heart to that person? Hey, listeners, jumping in here for just a minute to ask, have you read The Pumpkin Plan? but have yet to implement it. I'm super excited to now offer pumpkin plan implementation as a service to my clients. I'm officially a pumpkin plan certified strategist. For those of you who have read the book, get the concept and know that you want to incorporate it into your business, I have a special offer to get started. Together we can do a top client assessment session. In these sessions, We clearly define your ideal client niche. We identify your most profitable clients. And we strategize how to efficiently and cost-effectively reach and fill your business with your ideal clients. These sessions are great for business owners who are exhausted by Sell Deliver, Sell Deliver, who are tired of running in a hundred directions and need clarity before they can simplify. So if you're ready to get off the hamster wheel of churning out 1040s and getting nickel and dime for them, this is your path out. And here's the deal. These sessions are normally $797. But just for you listeners, until February 29th, Leap Day, you can book yours for the unbeatable value of $297. That's a $500 savings. This deal is unlikely to come around again. If you want to take advantage of this offer, go to the link in the show notes. It's shethinksbigcoaching.com forward slash top hyphen client hyphen assessment. And if you can't get there via the show notes, just email me, Geraldine at shethinksbigcoaching.com and we'll get you set up. If you're ready to simplify your business and start working with more of your top clients and start working with a lot fewer of your less than ideal clients, this might be just the thing for you. All right, now back to the show. I'm going to tell you a quick story about resenting my cat. I have this cat, Faisal, and he's a big cat. (laughs) And he's not svelte. He's got this big round belly. I believe that in his mind, he believes that he is svelte. Because one day he was walking up on my bookshelf. And high up on this shelf was a favorite decanter that I had bought when I was in France leading bicycle tours. 
And there's this town called Saint-Emilion. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It's this beautiful old stone village. And they have a lot of great wineries around. And I had purchased a really nice decanter. And I really liked this decanter. It was really pretty. And it reminded me of the time that I spent living in France and peddling around wine country, which really was amazing. But anyways, um, so one day I am upstairs in my bed. I had a lofted bedroom and I hear Faisal jump onto the bookcase, which he did all the time. No problem. But then I heard the unmistakable sound of cat claws scratching on wood. And I was like, "Uh oh. And then I heard this and I knew right away and I could just see it in my mind as I heard the sound of my decanter crashing to the floor and just melting and exploding out into a billion shards of glass. And right away I knew and I was like, God damn it, Faisal, Faisal, oh my God, I'm going to kill you. So I scamper down the ladder and Faisal is looking at me like half sheepish, half scared. And I see the shards of glass blanketing the entire floor. And I'm just like, oh, you little brat, you rascal, you scallywag. Which I know are probably not PC terms, but that's what my grandmother used to call me. So I go over to Faisal. And the first thing I do is I put on my own shoes. And as much as I'm so angry with him, I also realized that I don't want him trampling around on a billion shards of glass with his little kitty cat paws and then grooming his paws and ingesting tiny little shards of glass into a system. So as angry as I am with him, I put on my own shoes and I go pull him off the bookcase. And as much as I just want to throw him through the sliding glass door <laughs> outside into the bushes, I realized that this is a cat. So I opened the door and I put him outside and I kind of like gently set him down. And then I set about sweeping up <laughs> my decanter, which is now in a billion pieces. And in this moment, I am both so angry and so resentful of Faisal. And I like don't want to give him any more affection and I don't want to pet him and I don't want to scratch in between the ears and I don't want to rub his back and then kind of grab his tail. And I don't want to rub him underneath the chin. I'm so angry at him. And then I'm like, what am I doing? Because the reason that I have Faisal is because I love his love and attention. I love when he comes up to me and he rubs his little cold, wet nose on my cheek. I love the sound of him purring right in my ear. I love when he climbs into my lap and then curls up in a little circle and puts his tail over his nose. I love when he sits on the kitchen counter next to me when I'm chopping vegetables. I know we're not supposed to have cats on the counter. And what I realize in the moment is that there's just no value in resenting a cat. Because <laughs> he doesn't know the difference. And the one who loses out in the end is me, right? Because if I shut him out, then guess who doesn't get to snuggle and guess who doesn't get the little cold, wet nose on my cheek, right? I'm the one who loses. So I take a few moments to be annoyed and heartbroken about my decanter and then as quickly as I can work on forgiving my cat and let him back in the house. There's no value in resenting pets. There's no value in resenting people and there's no value in resenting money. But we like to do it anyways and mostly because we don't realize that we're doing it. So how do we get some insight into the ways that we might be resenting money? 
You might have your favorite ways of doing this kind of work. What works for me is writing it all out with a marker on a giant sheet of paper, or sometimes I'll do it in a Google doc typing with my eyes closed because my thoughts often come faster than I can write with a pen or a marker. But do whatever works for you. It's more important that you do it than that you figure out the exact right way to do it and actually not end up doing it. But how you get underneath the ways that you might be resenting money is to simply start accessing your thoughts. So go hunt around in your house for some cash if you have any. I came up with 11 bucks. Turns out that's Alexander Hamilton and George Washington. And I just started writing. So here's a sample of what comes out. Some of this is mine and some of it is what I hear my own clients say. And I kind of just mixed it in. I want you to have a feel for how it sounds, right? And I, some of these I already said, F you money, I hate you. You scare me. I don't get you. You make me look bad. You suck. I'm scared of you. I don't understand how you work. You've made me look like a child. I feel sheepish when I'm around you. I've believed I'm not good enough for you. I've believed I don't deserve you. Only rich people should have money. Only smart people should have money. Only people who are better than you should have money. You do not deserve to make money. You make me feel like a fool. I have felt ashamed of myself around you because I just can't figure out how to be healthy around you. You make me feel guilty because I inherited a lot of you and I did nothing to deserve it right? Like that it goes. And then you just sit with it and look at it and put it under the light of day because it's under the light of day that you go, wait a minute. <laughs> Not only is this silly, but this is absolutely preposterous, right? Like only rich people should have money. How does that work? <laughs> Add up the logic there for me. Only people who are better than you should have money. Wait, what? What? Huh? Wait, what, what are you talking about? Why is that? <laughs> who decides who gets to have money? You make me feel ashamed. Did you catch these ones? You make me feel guilty, right? Look at the power that some of us give money to make us feel a certain thing. And if you don't believe me on this one, go back to episode, I think it's 16, where I tell the story around eight inches of snow makes me feel delighted and makes my neighbor feel irritated beyond belief because she's got to spend 45 minutes shoveling. And I'm like, woohoo, and I'm clacking my heels together, right? The snow doesn't have any power to make us feel a certain way. The money doesn't have any power to make us feel a certain way. Yet we can position it that way in our heads. And that's why it's so important to inspect the code that is in your operating system, right? Because over time you have pieced together an operating system and it is full of bugs. And sometimes software patches come out and sometimes updates come out that fix these bugs. And if you still have bugs in your software around money, it's time to go in and have a look and run some debugging software programs so that you can catch these things and get them out of your system so that you can write new code that supports the life that you want to create. This is very much an explorative process. This is time for you to get curious about what's in there. There's no right or wrong answers. You simply treat what you discover with curiosity and kindness. Like, oh, this is really interesting. Look at this thing that's in here. I didn't know this was here. And where you want to get to is a place of these stories served me at some time. They were useful at some point, but now they're no longer serving me and they're no longer serving the life that I want to create. And therefore the new story is, now what I choose to believe about money is. And as you do that, notice 
the sensations in your being. Is there a change? Is there a softening? Does space free up inside of you? And when space frees up inside of you, what is now allowed to come in that previously was unallowed to enter? What I want for you is nothing short of a complete shift in your energy when it comes to how you relate to and how you think about money. And you get to decide what you believe about money. It's not for me to tell you where I think your beliefs should evolve to. But I will give you an example from my experience just to give you a sense of what it could feel like. And my own shifted from money, you are here to punish me to money, you are here to support my vision. And I ask you to do this work for you. And I ask you to do this work for your clients. Because when you shift how you relate to money, what will the impact be to your clients? Because chances are very good your clients are showing up with the same kind of old belief patterns and these old fears around money in the same way that you do or did, the same way that I do or did. And your clients also have dreams and they also have goals for how much money they want to make. And chances are good that they too are in their own way with mixed signals that they send to money. And in the work that we do, we can only help our clients go as far as we ourselves have gone. So if you want to engage a bigger gear in support of your clients, it's time for you to do this work around your belief around money, your value, its role in the world, so that you can then support your own clients to do the same in their lives and in their businesses. And for every person in a given day who decides to put down the arrows of resentment and instead choose love, you are one more signal, you are one more wave adding to the amplitude of vibrations of love on this planet rather than evil resentment and hatred. It all matters. So heavy episode for you today. I would love to know what your experience of this is. I really would. You're free to tell me that I've gone off my rocker. I don't think I have but I would like to hear from you. An easy way to do that is on my website, there's that little stovepipe app <laughs> where you can just press the button and you can record a voicemail to me and it lands right in my email. I love hearing from listeners. You can also email me, Geraldine at shethinksbigcoaching.com and stay tuned for the next episode on leaning into loving money. That's it for me for today. I will see you next week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.